Jehoshaphat. Power. God's power. Tonight we want to talk about God's power, but before we even dive into that, I just want to thank you for some of the stories already that we're hearing from today. And if you understand or have heard about God's love and you're together or somewhat together, I hope that you are helping those that may feel like an outcast experience God's love. We said it this morning and we want to continue to say it. Stories. What will yours be? And part of your story needs to be to help others experience Christ and to experience their story with God's story to make it something beautiful, to make it incredible. And so we hope that you don't just hear, yeah, I know God loves me, but you begin to not only hear it, but you begin to internalize it, you begin to personalize it, you begin to really receive that. And we want to talk tonight now from God's love. We want to talk about God's power. So let me start with a question. In fact, we're asking questions. And you can you saw it earlier, hashtag IW Summit. And they are sending some questions we have to apply at the end of each service, each time. And that you can do that. But let me start with some questions tonight. What would it look like? you and I really begin to experience and live in the power of God in our everyday lives. Now, we've experienced recently some incredible, miraculous stories of healing. Of There's no way some people in our church should be alive. Well, that, that's saying something. I mean, that sounds kind of bad of me. There's no way they should be alive because of some things that have happened to them. Some major accidents. And God has brought physical healing. That's a great story. Not all the stories in that way. God still heals, but he may choose to bring them home and make them whole. But we're not even talking about the miraculous big picture kind of things. Maybe you have that. But I don't think those really happen until we begin to experience the power of God every day in our lives. Just the everyday kind of walking around life. When you're going to class and living in your dorm, or for those of us living in our communities and working and beginning to impact and influence people's lives, what would it look like? They may not even figure it out, but I guarantee you, they would begin to ask, what is it that you have? I'm not talking about us saying we have the power of God. I'm saying we live it out, we apply it, we understand, and we allow it to permeate our life. Now, we're going to talk about a big kind of power of God working miracle story but we think it applies in this biblical story to our stories. If we begin to ask this question, what would it look like if we really begin to figure this out? Not just lip service, not just say we have the power of God in us, but begin to live it in our everyday lives. I get to tell you tonight one of my absolutely favorite Bible stories, and I'm so excited because <laughs> this is one you may not have heard much about, and I love seeing the power of God work in this story. It happens in 2 Chronicles 20, and it's about King Jehoshaphat. Now, this morning I talked about the divided kingdom a little bit. He was in the southern kingdom of Judah. And he was a pretty good king. There were some bad kings in there, but he was one of the pretty good ones who followed the Lord. And one day, King Judah, or King Judah, King Jehoshaphat, he hears from his advisors that there are three armies coming against them in Jerusalem. 
the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the Menunites. And they're amassing only about 40 miles from Jerusalem when he finds out. So he immediately goes to the Lord in, in prayer of what are we going to do? And the Lord says, call a fast. That's where you give up some of your food. You've heard of fast, so you give up food and, and just it helps you focus and center and seek the Lord. So all the people of Judah come to Jerusalem for this fast. Men, women, children, everybody come into Jerusalem for this fast. And it says that uh, in, in chapter 20, you can read the prayer that Jehoshaphat speaks out over the people as they're all there around him. Beautiful prayer of praise to God and who he is and what he's done in the Jewish people. And then he says... What are we going to do? God, God, what are we going to do? You've got to show us what we're going to do. And immediately the Spirit of God comes on a man named Jehaziel. And Jehaziel is a Levite, which is of the priests, but he's also a prophet. And he stands there and he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. God has got this battle. He's got it taken care of. And these, these people knew to listen to the prophet. Because prophets have proven themselves over and over again that they spoke truth. And all of the people, including the king, fell down on their faces in worship of God. Because they knew that God had this battle in hand. And they were so thankful. So the next day, they wake up. They put on their battle gear, their armor, and their swords and spears, whatever they had. And they got it all ready, and they lined up to march out to the battlefield. Now, it says as they started to go, King Jehoshaphat consulted with some of the people. I don't know exactly what that means specifically. But after he did that, he stopped the march, and he said, Hey, I need all the worshipers to come to the front of the line. Yeah, all the, all the musicians, all the singers, get up here. You're, you're in the front. What? You, you want the songbirds? You, you want the cymbals and the harpists up leading us into battle? That's, that's who's going in the front. Are, are you sure about this? Because this doesn't make much military sense. You know, in a battle, they say the number one strategy is secrecy. And so we're going to go marching into battle, singing at the top of our lungs, and beating on instruments. Do we have you right? Yep, that's what we're going to do. That's what God says we're going to do. So can you just see, Brooke? Brooke, we need you at the front. You're going to lead us into battle. Can you just see that? I mean, does it, it doesn't even make any sense. Are you sure he didn't say warriors, not didn't worshipers? Warriors. What's the deal here? You know, I think sometimes we're confused. Isn't God hilarious? He does some it's things that are just amazing. Throughout the Bible, this isn't the only story, but it's like, you want us to do what? You want us to march around, like, how many times? And how do, Yeah, and it'll fall. Don't worry. And they did it. That's what amazes me. They, they followed it. I mean, there's some incredible stories we won't get into now, but that is hilarious. Is. Are you sure he said worshipers? I mean, just... 
amazes us. Can you see Obama calling all the worshipers around the United States? We're going to battle. Get them all in here. But that's exactly what they did. They all got to the front of the, of the line and they began marching off. Now, here's the cool part. The instant they started worshiping and they sang praises to him all the way, but the instant they started worshiping, scripture says that God set an ambush against those three armies that are over here waiting for the battle. Now we don't know exactly what it means by an ambush. Did he blind some of them? Did he make some of them think one of the, the armies was actually Jehosh Jehoshaphat's army? We're not sure exactly what happened there by the word ambush. However, what we do know is the Ammonites and the Moabites turned against the Meonites, all those ites, they just throw me, and they destroyed them completely. And then they turned against one another and destroyed each other. So that by the time all the worshipers and all the army arrived at the battle, they looked out and all they saw were dead bodies. The Bible says not one person walked away from that battle. It took them three days to collect all the plunder from those dead bodies. On the fourth day, they spent the day just praising God and thanking him for their del the deliverance. And then they went back to Jerusalem and they had another worship party just to praise him because he had delivered his people and it was through the worship of their God. Jim, would you break this down for us a little bit of how this kind of amazing miracle can apply to our lives? Break it down. All right. Yeah, how many were here for Fusion last year? Yeah. Lecrae was here. We ain't him. Okay, uh, just to be clear. I think he we, just made our daughter crawl on We tried to get the writer that Lecrae got, but they wouldn't give us that many subwoofers, so I don't know what the deal is. I just speak. We want to break this down a little bit. Okay, stay with me. We want to break this down a little bit and help us to understand what it means for us to live in the power of God. What they did for us. Very simple first point to help us to get this. He's God and we are not. He's God and I'm not. Now, you don't know me very well, but I can guarantee you pretty quickly, you'll figure out you're pretty thankful that I'm not God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, preach it, brother. Amen. Come on now. Glory. Listen to my wife shout it out. Amen. I'm really thankful that you aren't God as well. But this idea of Jehoshaphat and his army, the war army of worshipers, helped us to understand that he's God and we aren't. And he doesn't always make human sense. Isn't that funny? When we try to figure things out, we think we've got a good plan for God. And God's like, I got it. I've got it taken care of. Every time I try to do that, and, and, and I try to figure things out a lot of times. I try to map things out. I try to problem solve. I try to work those things out. It is amazing when I bring the yellow pad to, to God and I've written some stuff down or now I've gone to the electronics. But I, I bring this and say, hey, God, what do you think? And God's like, man, Jim, I have been so busy. Thank you. That is a wonderful plan. We're going to bless that. No, he's, get out of here. He knows what he's doing. 
He's God, and I don't need to bring him any problems to solve. I mean, I bring him problems to solve. I don't bring them solved. And say, what do you think about that? I oftentimes want to have God bless my ideas, and that's not the way it works. He's God, and I am not. This idea then, really for us, that word is powerless. It's that idea that we are powerless in and of ourselves. Jehoshaphat and his army shows us that they are powerless. This image here, have, have you ever, I don't know if you've experienced that, but have you ever literally felt like you were going to drown at a time? Have you been in that situation where you got a little bit deep? I've been there in some lakes and places where, I, and there's a point where you're only glad when you raise your hand that somebody is there to grab a hold of you. This image for me reminds me that I can't do it. And only when the hand of God comes down and reaches down to grab me, can he help me. Can he help us win? We are powerless in and of ourselves. We cannot do it on ourselves. I love what the scripture says, and we're going to put that up, I think, on the screens here. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, alarm, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Gerald just mentioned that in the story. Our God, will you not judge them? Here's what I want you to catch. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. But I love this last line. But our eyes are on you. Mm-hmm. Hey God, we're powerless. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to look to you for the answer because we believe in your power in us. We trust you with our lives. We trust you with this battle. We trust you with this life. We are powerless. But in God, through God, we have power. Not by might, Scripture says, nor by our power, but by my spirit, by the Spirit's power, are we able to accomplish. I love it throughout Scripture. And you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit works in your life and you receive the power of God. We preached it for a long time. I, I, one that's really catch, caught me and Shay in the spoken word talked about that. That power of God. Ephesians 4 or Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. I quoted it for a long time and so often. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. But something I realized much later is, okay, God, I want that power. I want that power. In Ephesians 1, in Ephesians 1, the same original word of power is used when you interpret it. But but the original language, the same word power, and it's the power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. Same word. Same word. So God said, the power I use to raise Jesus from the dead is the same power that's in you. What would it look like if we begin to experience the power of God in our lives like never before? I'm going to start preaching here in just a minute. We get fired up on this one. How do we not live in the power of God and go, God, I'm not you. I need you. I am powerless. And I'm looking. Man, my eyes are on you. In other words, I'm begging you. I need you. I need the answer. Because here's something else that we learn. The battle. The battle is not yours and mine. But it's God's. We need to surrender our life. And let me read to you 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15. 
the prophet said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. It's not yours, but God's. The battle is not ours. The battle is not ours. We don't have to fight that battle, so to speak. Now, we have our part, but the battle is not ours. The battle is God's. You will not have to fight this battle. Wow. What a powerful truth if we would really grasp that, if I would grasp that in my everyday life. Because you and I have daily battles, don't we? We have issues. We have relational battles. We have struggles. We have internal battles. We have those issues that we struggle with. And the scripture here tells us the battle is not ours. It's God's. The battle is not ours. It's God's. And when we live in that and begin to understand that, I love that passage because we see about don't be discouraged or, or afraid several times. God uses that in Scripture to several of the leaders. In fact, one of your verses, I think it was the verse of the year a couple of years ago, Deuteronomy 31.6 talks about this. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. Joshua 1.9, do not be discouraged. Don't be afraid. For I, the Lord, your God will be with you wherever you go. What is he saying? And we have our part, and we're going to talk about our part, but... We don't have to worry like we have to fight this by ourselves because we are powerless. But when we surrender to God and we say, God, we're yours. I quit. But if I can have the power that you say is at work within me, that is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, then I know that I get to be part of the victory as I surrender my will, my way, my life, my plans to God and what he's done for us. Something that it just hit me that I love. It is in God's power and it's God's battle. But he just chooses to win it through you and me. Isn't that a cool thought? It's God's battle, but he chooses to win it through you and me. Yeah. So what do we got to do if God is the one who's in control and he's the one that's going to do the battle, what's our part? Well, we can't just sit back and twiddle our thumbs and say, God's got it. I don't have to do anything. No, he wants us to be boots on, battle ready. We love that phrase. Love this picture. Boots on and battle ready. When our kids were little, we used to, and the scriptures even talk about putting on the armor of God in Ephesians. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, our feet ready to spread the gospel of peace the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit. We need to be ready as warriors for God because pretty soon his directions are going to come. They can come daily. They can come multiple times a day. If we're listening, the Holy Spirit will give us the direction of what he wants us to do next. And we've got to be ready and prepared for that. We need to be in the Word. We need to be in prayer time. We need to be spending time with him so we know his voice when his directions come. When our youngest was born, I mean, our, I'm sorry, when our oldest was born, she was just crying, 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 crying in the hospital. And um, 
Before she was born, when she was in my stomach, Jim used to read scripture to her and pray and talk over her, my stomach so she heard his voice. Well, when she was crying, 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 all the families around trying to talk to her and talk to her, and she won't settle down. And he finally says, Lauren, it's daddy. And she shut up instantly. Why? Because she knew her daddy's voice. If we're going to be able to follow the instructions and be battle ready, we got to be able to know what the commander's voice sounds like. And we can only know what his voice sounds like when we spend time in his word and time in his presence and time in reflection and meditation over what he's saying to us. When we put on those ears, that's how we're going to be battle ready. With Jehoshaphat, he said, you will not have in, uh, I'm sorry, in verse 17, he says, you will not have to fight this battle. He says, take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Take up your positions. Stand firm. God's not going to fail you. He's got the orders. They're coming in. But you need to be ready to receive them. Jim, there's a really good story about the Philistines. What, what was that one? Yeah, I, I love this. 2 Samuel chapter 5. And it seems like David constantly fought the Philistines. You know, it just, it's a constant struggle. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, it was time and it said the Philistines spread out. And when they did, David was going to battle. And the scripture like this that we read earlier in, Jehoshaphat, or in, in 2 Chronicles about Jehoshaphat, it says that David inquired of the Lord. In other words, what should we do? How should we, should we attack? And if we should, how should we attack them? And God answered. He said, go straight in after him. Attack him. And they did, and they defeated. Just literally a verse or two later, in 2 Samuel chapter 5, the Philistines spread out. And here they were again, and it was time for battle. And I don't know about you, but here's what I would have done. It just worked. Let's go at them. We just, hey, hey guys, boots on, battle ready. Let's go kick some backside of the enemy. And let's march after him and let's go get him. David was a warrior. David knew military strategy. David knew how to fight. David knew how to win. David knew how to lead. David knew how to do this because he'd done it enough time with the Philistines, not just Goliath, but in battle. But the scripture says David inquired of the Lord. He didn't presume that just because we did it that way the last time, we should do it the same way. And in fact, God changed his directions, and David followed his instruction. And God said, when you see the tops of the trees move, it means the wind's blowing. It means for you to move and to go around from behind and attack them. And David did exactly as God said, and they won the battle again. Boots on, battle ready. They still went in and had to fight, but God had the victory because he followed his instruction. Because David, what? Asked God what he should do. His eyes were on God because David said, we're powerless. We need your power. The Holy Spirit will work in and through these fallible, dying a little bit every day bodies. He's promised that. 
but we must remember that the victory is always his. Now, um, this last spring, I guess it was, we went and saw the movie The Avengers. Yes, I'm a Marvel geek. I'm proud of it. You have to admit, there's other Marvel geeks here. Yes, come on. You, you, I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. My there, tribe is here. I appreciate it. There's a session for all of you afterwards. <laughs> Hi. I'm Carolyn. I'm a Marvel I'm, geek. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so anyway, we went to the movie, but we had to drive separately there that night. So we were driving home separately. And it gave me time just to think and reflect. And I was thinking about the movie, and I just love all the powers. I, I love Iron Man and I love Thor and the Black Widow and, and all their different powers and how they save the world every time. And I'm just thinking about this as I'm going home. And it suddenly hits me. No matter what kind of power each of them have or even collectively have, I have a power within me that is so much greater. That's right. I have a power within me that is so much greater. What if I learn to live each day in that kind of power? What if? And then take it a step further. Look around how many people are here. What if we collectively lived each day in that power? Mm -hmm. The scripture says if we have the faith of a mustard seed, we can move a mountain. With this kind of power working through us, we can move the entire world. Because God is the one in the middle of it. And he's the one who will get the victory. I'm just amazed by that. Amazed by it. When Jesus said, uh, Shay said this in the, in the spoken word, that Jesus said, you will do greater things than I ever done. That I, than I have ever done. That boggles my mind. It, it's, I can't even get my head wrapped around it. But it's there. So it's truth. So we have to live in that power. Beth Moore says, she's a, a Christian speaker and writer. She says, Christ tells us that we must embed ourselves in him and let the power source flow. He will do the work through us. That's the secret. Let him do the work through you. And then like Jehoshaphat taught us, we got to be praising him the whole way. Mm -hmm. That's our job. That's one of our jobs to be boots on battle ready. We got to be praising the Lord. In uh, 2 Chronicles 20:18, it says, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. They worship before the battle. They worship walking into the battle. They worship twice after the battle. They were praising God the whole time. And it was through those praises that they made a difference. That God's power was unleashed upon that battle. And whenever we talk about praising here um, in this story, yes, for most of the part, it was the musicians, the singers, and, the, and the, the instrument players. But your life can be worship. The way you live your life can be praise. As you go about your daily, daily activities, going to class, 
going to work, how you interact with your roommates and, your, and other students, your professors, your parents, your bosses. The way you show the love of Jesus is done, can be done in praise to him. Jesus said, when you do this to the least of these, you've done it to me. When you serve others, when you, when you honor others, when you give someone a smile who needs it, that's a form of praise and worship of the Father as well. Let it incorporate in every part of your daily activity. We need to live our lives in daily worship. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your spiritual act of worship, living as a sacrifice to the Lord. I love this uh, quote by Ray Pritchard. He says, worship opens the door for God's delivering power to flow into our desperation. Keep praising him so that your boots are on and your battle ready. Boots on, battle ready. One of the things we believe that we are required to do is to have faith. Part of our action steps is to have faith. This is not passive, team. This is active. Scripture, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 20. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in the Lord your God. In other words, you will get the victory. The battle's God's. He just chooses to win it through us. As we actively participate by expressing our faith, our trust in God, in our everyday walking around kind of lives, if the power of God is alive in us, if we have received the Holy Spirit to allow us to explode on the scene, Geraldine has already said it, the power is incredible. God's power at work in you and in me. Every day, what difference does it make? Do we believe it or do we just talk about it? I mean, there's so many of us that say, yeah, I, I accept Jesus, but I'm not sure I really get into the whole thing, this whole surrender, this whole sacrifice, this whole faith thing that you talk about. I don't know. We're talking about sold out to God so the power of God works in us each and every day. So that when we come into contact with somebody and we have that conversation with them, if we talk with them and we share with them, if we pray with them, God can believe, begin to work in and through each and every one of us like never before. And our life will be different. Our attitude will be different. God will be at work to work in us and through us in some incredible ways. Ross Hoffman, a friend of Indiana Wesleyan University, and if you know anything about Ross Hoffman's story, he was killed in a tragic construction project in his home here in the Marion area, owned a business, 
loved Indiana Wesleyan, attended College Wesleyan Church. His pastor, Steve Deneff, in one of his books, writes about Ross. And we read it as an excerpt in one of our denominational magazines. And we thought, wow, what a powerful story of the power of God. You see, Ross said to us, there is something going on. There is something that there's got to be more to this Christian life than what he was experiencing. And through a set of different events, God spoke to him. And as God began to speak to him, he went on a short-term mission trip to Zambia. And when he was there, he noticed the people who had nothing. But they had joy. They had contentment. They had so much more, and they celebrated and worshiped God. And while he was there, God began to speak to him. And he came back and he said, you know what? There are things on this earth that are valued, that aren't valued in heaven. There are things that are valued in heaven that we don't value on earth. We've got it all messed up. We're upside down. And he began to experience the power of God because God began to work on him and he changed his business. He changed a lot of the way he approached life. He was living in the power of God. And as Ross did that, he raised $75,000, I understand, in his home one evening with some business people around the area for a well in Zambia. At the time of the the writing of the book, over 50,000 people had already been helped to get clean drinking water because of the power of God at work in Ross's everyday life. Ross began to experience the power of God, and he wanted what was going on. And his pastor, Steve Deneff, said, I asked him, why don't you, why didn't you ever go into ministry? And Ross kind of laughed and said, I am in ministry. Mm-hmm. You see, you don't have to go into full-time vocational ministry to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't care what God calls you to, whether you're an educator, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a professor, whatever you may do in life, whatever calling you may have, it's simply for you to complete the ministry that God has for you. And as we talk about the power of God, I love what Steve Deneff said. Ross's call was not to change his occupation, but his preoccupation. What preoccupies you? Is it the power of God in your life that will change the way you live? You've seen the worship team come out here. We desire tonight to spend some extended time in worship. We want to continue to get out of the way, but we want you to experience the power of God. And if we are like Jehoshaphat and his army, we will praise God. We will worship him. We will celebrate him. We will bring him honor and glory as the power of God comes alive in us. And we want you to take that time tonight to worship God, to experience God, to understand his power, and not just to understand it, but to receive his power and to live in the power of God in your life. Would you do us a favor and would you just stand? We want to invite you to come down if you want, to kneel, to stand as our worship team leads us. In worship, you may stay right where you are. You may sit, you may kneel, you may stand, you may raise your hands. We just want to invite you to worship, to praise God, to do your part, to have your boots on, and to be battle ready.
for whatever battles you're going to face because the battle is not yours, but it's God's. But it is God who will bring the victory through you and me. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you experiencing the power of God in your life? What is it that you're missing? What is it that you're lacking? What is it that you're desiring? What is it that God wants to do in you so that you receive the power like never before and you live in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit?